Episode 100 of the Hang On With Coach Noonan podcast features the return of our very first guest in a new and exciting position at one of the most prestigious universities in the country, Executive Director of Player Personnel and Recruiting Innovation at Rice University, Marco Regalado. Marco and I talk about his journey into Rice, recruiting, back to making videos, returning to Texas, and more. Enjoy today's episode and make sure to follow him on Twitter and Rice Football as well. Before we jump into the, to today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast and share this episode or any that you find value in. And please don't forget to drop us a rating and review on your favorite listening platform. Check out Texas Treaties if you're in the Dallas area for some really awesome custom cookies uh, that look and taste delicious. If you're trying to step up your menswear game, check out Etiquette Dawn. The Dallas area is a great custom men's apparel company. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat, bench, deadlift, or clean, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners, use the code Coffee with Noonan for a 10% discount on single purchases but not subscriptions. Enjoy the official coffee of the Hangar Coach Noonan podcast. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you, so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Check out Xanago on Twitter and let them know Coach Noonan sent you for a discount. Enjoy today's episode with Coach Marco Regalado. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the 100th episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. And there is no better person to have on than the very first guest on the very first episode, Coach Marco Regalado. Brother, what's happening, man? Thank you for uh, for doing this kind of bookend deal. This is not the last episode of of the podcast, but it's it's a significant one. And you know, immediately as as it approached, I, I pitched it to my wife, and she was like, "Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, it's got to be Marco." Well, I appreciate that, man. It's exciting. Uh, I remember when you first approached me about it, even just the idea of doing a podcast. And I told you it was a great idea. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, 100 episodes later, I'm honored to be your guest again, just like I was the first time. Man, I appreciate it. Dude, you've come a, lot, you've come a long way in a very short amount of time since then. You know, when we first recorded, you were still at PSJA. You know, you hadn't even left to go to uh Eaton much less Washington State now at Rice uh where you're the executive director of player personnel and recruiting innovation so how do you describe this you know since March of 2020 to to now uh, you know I've thought about it and it's just to me it's just been the the craziest roller coaster ride is the best way I can describe it you know you just nothing that I went through nothing that I got throughout this whole process was was ever expected it was just you know just being genuine and you know being where your feet are at you know again it was even the whole you know trending and going off on Twitter and viral and all that stuff like that that was never part of the plan it was just I wanted to make, you know, my staff laugh by making a couple funny videos and see what they thought, you know, wearing our PSJ Memorial gear and stuff. And, uh, 
you know, from there, it's just been blessing after blessing after blessing. And, you know, you have to thank the man upstairs that he's been able to bless me with these opportunities, but I'm also, you know, going to take a little credit, you know, I've ran with them and made the best of them. And I'm just proud, you know, looking back at where I'm from, that little, little border town in South Texas and where I am now. Um, I'm just proud of myself and humbled and it's just truly a blessing. Do I'll speak for myself and, and just say how proud of you I am and running with everything that you've done. Um, you know, we, we've known each other now going on shit four or five years. Um, and just the, the art, the evolution of our friendship, um, where it is now and just everything that you've done um you know we were it's it's truly awesome uh, I, i'm 100 percent with you it, it's there's no way any of it happens without the man upstairs blessing you and having your hand on it and um i said man I'm, I'm very proud of you it's 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 great to have you back in texas uh i'm sure it's a lot better to uh to be that this much closer to your family. I know how much family means to you. Uh, now to be, you know, a car ride away versus a, a plane ride away is definitely a lot easier. I'm sure. Oh man. It's uh that's been truly the best part. Um, you know, I, I was at Washington state for almost two years and I've been back in the, the homeland in Texas for almost a month. And I've seen my family more times in that one month than I did in two years. And that's to me worth more than any title, worth more than any money in any position at any school, just being able to be around my family and my parents, my siblings, my, my nephew and all those things. It's, it's really important to me. And that's been the best part. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what it is that you're doing at rice executive director, player personnel, and then recruiting innovation, like, if any word could be, you know, attached to you, it's innovation, right? You've run with the video trends and the, and the, and the social media trends, but you have always, in my opinion, been on that. What's the next, how do I, you know, in, in your approach to helping kids uh, all the way back in Kingsville, Texas at Santa Gertrudis, where you had to be innovative to get those kids out because it's a very small school in a very in a small area that not everybody knows about so I feel like just having innovation attached to you is like without a doubt an obvious thing so what does it mean for recruiting innovation at the collegiate level now versus you know being on the other side at the high school level because now you know you're looking for the high school kids but you're bridging the gap from high school to college and potentially college to the NFL type of deal. So it's a whole different ball game for you, I'm sure. No doubt. I mean, you know, just going back all those years to San Gertrudis, you know, those are kids that never really were exposed to being recruited or exposed to having colleges coming through. And, um, you know, you had to get, 
creative on how to sell and market those kids, especially being in South Texas, because you already know, even not just Santa Gertrude, it's just South Texas in general is very under-recruited. But the one thing that we found, and I'm sure you found it too when you were there at Santa Gertrude, is it's a high academic institution. And there are schools that love kids with high academics. So we found the right schools to sell and market these kids to and find them opportunities to go out and play and get degrees all at the same time. And I think that was important because, you know, it was just all about educating the families and the rest of the coaches and the kids on, you know, it's, it's, it's not anybody's fault or anything like that. It's just a very general thing. You, you, when you think of college football, you think of what you were watching growing up, you know, watching, you know, all the, the, the teams that play on TV, but, you're not thinking of the division three schools, the division two schools, the NAIA schools, because you're not seeing them constantly. You don't really know they exist or what it's like. And to be able to kind of enlighten and show these families and these kids that, Hey, you don't have to play at the university of Texas to play college football. You can go, you know, two or three hours down the road to Trinity university. You can go to Texas A&M Kingsville right in our backyard. There's other opportunities and there are schools that would just love kids with high academics, either they can only get into school if they have high academics, or that's less money that, you know, a school has to pay if they're able to pull off a really nice academic scholarship. And then they can either go as a walk-on with most of their school paid for, or, you know, if they're a scholarship kid, then athletics doesn't have to chip in a whole lot. So, you know, there's just a lot of benefit to doing that. And then, you know, transitioning to where I am now and with that title recruiting innovation, it, it the, what it means to me is that it's recruiting is an ever-changing game. You know, just like social media is changing, the way the recruiting has changed just in the past year with the transfer portal, with NIL, with everything kind of going, you just, you kind of have to find ways to change with it. You have to find ways to engage these kids because, you know, it used to, it used to be, you know, you send a mailer to a kid and that was the best thing in the world. They post them all over Twitter. Uh, I can tell you from experience, you know, Washington State, we sent out thousands of mailers. And maybe a handful of them got posted on Twitter, you know, so it's just finding ways to, to, you know, and graphics used to be a big deal too. And now they're not now, you know, if you have to do a graphic, it has to be customized to the kid. And so you just have to continue to find ways to keep these kids engaged, continue to recruit these kids, find different ways, you know, not just recruiting the kid, you got to find out who the kid's champion is, you know, who's the person at home. It may not be mom and dad. It may be uncle. It may be grandpa, maybe coach, but you got to find the kid's champion. How do we get to the champion? You know, so those are just little, little things that are kind of running through, through my mind and, and, and trying to find ways to be innovative to get kids to our school. If the, if the coach who can't retire were to answer this question, how would he answer it? Man, I don't know how much innovation he'd probably like freak out with, uh, you know, back, back, back in my day, um, we used to have to trek 300 miles through the snow to go watch a kid's, no, not even a watch, go get a V an eight, you know, a VHS tape that we had to come and cut up on ourselves and blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I think it's come a long way uh, for the coach who hasn't retired. It's funny because, you know, there's still, people in this profession that used to recruit like that, that have in, like learned to innovate and learned to do all this stuff to where we are now. You know, I've, I've, I worked with a guy who was 
almost 70 years old at Washington State. We got somebody on staff here at Rice who's almost 70 years old. No, those guys have seen it all. Uh, those guys have been pioneers in their own days and figured out how to do things. And uh, I think those are the most innovative guys, in my opinion. They've, they've been through it all. Yeah, no doubt. When you when you look at things from the recruiting lens and now you factor in the transfer portal, what advice would you give to high school kids as they, you know, go through their career, that desire to go play at the next level, like to understand that there's, there's a chance that their spot now is really going to be looked at as, is it worth the time and development for a high school kid? Or can we go get a ready-made kid? Like, I feel like, the opportunity to play right away may not always exist for every kid at that power five level or the group of five level. But I, I, I envision that some of these lower level D D ones, D two, D threes in AIAs reap the benefits of that maybe from a trickle down standpoint. No, I agree 100%. Uh, I think you're you're kind of right on the money there. The thing about it is, like, there are certain schools that have certain identities. There's some schools that are transfer schools that that's where they, you know, hang their hat, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to find these ready-made guys, and they're able to attract those ready-made guys. But there's still schools out there. Uh, you know, even when I was at Washington State, it was kind of our mentality is, like, you know, we're a developmental school. We're going to take transfer kids to fill a couple holes that we need, but we're going to get the high school kids and the majority of our class will be high school kids and we will develop those kids um, to be great players. Um, and I, I agree hundred percent, you know, most of the, the exchanging of transfer portal guys is between the power five and the group of five level. So before and I had these from conversations with FCS coaches, FCS used to get all the transfer kids because before you couldn't transfer from level to level. You had to transfer down. So you get all these power five and group of five kids that weren't playing. They transfer down to FCS. And then you'd have these stacked FCS teams. Well, now the FCS coaches can't seem to get those transfers uh, because now they can go from power five to power five or power five to group of five, group of five to power five and such and such. So now you see the FCS coaches, they're still hitting the portal. I think everybody is even division two to a certain extent and all that stuff. But you see these FCS coaches, they're starting to uh, take a couple more high school, high school kids than they normally would. And like I said, just going back to what I initially said, I wouldn't – if I was a high school kid, I wouldn't get discouraged. Um, there's still a lot of spots out there, you know, just because the school that you're looking at may be going heavy in the portal doesn't mean – there's another school that's not because there's still there's transfer schools and there's developmental schools. And I think both of those exist. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. When it comes to, I mean, you're, you're at a very high academic institution, you know, so for you guys and, and the, and the type of student athlete that you're going to recruit is going to look a little different than let's say Texas state or, um, you know, even, you know, Houston, HBU, 
you know, everybody's going to look a little bit different. Um, but one of the things that, you know, Rice is known for is that high academics, like how, how have you had to adjust your approach in the recruiting coming from Washington State to now Rice and go, okay, like, all right, these are the kinds of kids we need to look after. You know, where can we, where can we kind of move the scale a little bit, you know, in terms of we'll take someone with a little bit lesser academics, better athletics, or we'll take the higher, higher academic, uh, lesser athletic because they're the cognitively they can, they can perform where we need to. I gotcha. You know, I think there was still some, there's still some similarities between, you know, how it was recruiting at Washington state to how it is now recruiting at rice. Now Washington state, it wasn't, it's not a destination where you're going to get five and four star recruits every year. Um, you're going to get some kids that you're fighting with FCS schools for or other group of fives or, uh, you know, it's just, it's not the easiest place to recruit to. You do, you do have a choice to recruit just about anywhere. We did have our footprint states. We stayed primarily on the West Coast, Texas, Hawaii, and we also tapped into Florida. But, you know, being at Rice now, uh, some people see it, and there's both sides of it. You know, you, you see it sometimes as a crutch, like, man, like we can't go for any kid we want. They have to be able to qualify to get into Rice, and it's pretty rigorous. Um, but I also see it as a, as a positive in that our, uh, pool of kids is a little shrunk. So instead of having to look through, uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids, it's, it's a more select individual kid that is a rice kid is a, the type of student athlete that we can get into school. Who's a good football player who can come in here and compete and make us better. Um, so they do. There is there there is some challenges, if you can call them that. I just think it's just different. Uh, I I like challenges, like I said. So it it, it kind of makes me excited being able to still try to fill out a roster and a team of, you know, you you think about these are kids that have grades that can get into Ivy League schools, basically. So it's it's just like some of the top minds that are out there at the high school level are on this roster. Uh, so it just kind of gets you excited, their cognitive ability and how it translates to the game. Um, so those are some of the things that I get excited about. Yeah, I mean, you you think like some of the kids that you're recruiting and some of the kids that are already on campus, you know, they, they probably are looking at it as, I got four years, maybe five, and then I know I'm done, but I'm going to transition to, you know, Fortune 500, own my own business. Like, like they have a, I, I would assume that there's a little bit different of a mindset as well. You know, not to say that they don't want to go play at the at the next level in the NFL, but they also know that the window for them is going to be shortened because they're also competing with not just their own teammates, but everybody else in the country. Uh, so how do I prepare for that next level? Because at the end of the, at the end of the day, an education from rice, man, is it's, it's top notch. It's there's, there's not very many places that are any more prestigious 
than than Rice University. You know, save maybe for the Ivy Leagues, but and even then, you know, certain aspects would be hard pressed to say it's it's not as good type of deal. It's you know for the kids that want to play in the league, you know that opportunity is there for them. I think uh, if you're good, they find you. And I think anybody playing college football, I mean, I would be pressed to say about 90%, you know, if you're playing college football, you have NFL aspirations. So if they have the opportunity and the ability to do it, I think those guys are going to do it. But exactly like you touched on, like, if these guys don't make it to the NFL, they're not like, dang it, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? They have a degree from Rice University. Uh, There is plenty of things they can do. There is a huge alumni network they can tap into, internships that they are we got a ton of guys on our team currently doing internships at the medical center right across the street with in uh, law firms um, all over the place. So, you know, these are guys, like I said, these are kids who have a plan and know what they want to do. And again, you compare it to the Ivy league. I mean, we are the Ivy league of the South, you know, that's the way I like to put it. Yeah. When you go and you, you created the, the recruiting uh personnel video did you and you don't have to name names per se but you know (laughs) kind of where did you see or how did you kind of draw the inspiration i I would assume it'd be very similar to your other videos your own personal experiences things that you've seen on social media and whatnot i mean because there's there's definitely times where it's like oh yeah you've seen that you've seen that coach in the in the recruiting posts and you've seen, you know, you've heard that coach talk when he comes to your school, trying to, you know, pick apart whether or not that's a good fit for them or whatnot. You know, it's, it's definitely, I mean, without a doubt, it's a banger of a video, man. Like you, you didn't miss with that one. And I I think I tweeted like the scientific one. I was like, how did you like that? The the wording got me and you were like, no, that, that one wasn't as hard. It was, um, Oh, what did you say that the harder one was? It took you several, several attempts. It may have been um, like the one coming in where I'm talking about uh, poke high and four touchdowns and all that stuff. Uh, that one took me a couple tries, but yeah, it's it's all based on people I've observed. Uh, haven't worked with necessarily all of them, but like you know, you know, you go to conventions and clinics you're on zooms you're listening to people talk you're networking you're watching on social media how people behave and how they they uh i guess uh carry themselves and i guess you could say i'm pretty observant and i think i've kind of proved that through this whole process of me making videos and stuff and caricature type things but uh no i mean there's tons of different like personalities and in in football in general but even like i said in the recruiting department um i like i said i'm still not done i got a couple more written down that uh i'll come back and do a couple more videos um you know that's that's been a pretty cool thing you know working for coach bloomgren uh i've known him since i was coaching at santa gertrudis because again we had high academic kids that fit the mold for rice football players so I, i i had that relationship with him and we'd always keep in touch um, and when he was, uh, you know, kind of going through the interview process, kind of bringing me on, um, he was like, why, why'd you stop the videos? 
And I didn't have an answer. I didn't know why. Um, and it wasn't because anybody told me not to or anything like that. It was just, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't. Um, but he brought it up. He's like, why'd you stop? You shouldn't have stopped. You should have just, you, you should have kept making them. Well, and I guess it was just that conversation that just kind of sparked it again. I said, you know what? I should. I don't know. I, sh- I should make another video. Let's, let's see how it proceeds. And I think, I mean, honestly, again, nobody told me not to make the videos, but it was just, I've always kind of had this constant thing. Um, and I have a, a name that goes with me. You know, everybody sees me and it's like, oh, it's the TikTok coach. And I, I don't mind. I love it. You know, it's what I, ha- it's what I did to get me known. That's how people know me. But I guess it was like more of a thing, you know, those, those almost two years I was at Washington state. It was just like, a lot of it was trying to prove to people like, Hey, I belong here. Um, I'm not a gimmick. Uh, uh, you know, coach Rolovich brought me there for a reason. It was to work. It's because he trusted me. I had an interview for that job. Um, and there was a reason why I got two promotions after that when I was there. Um, but it was just a thing in the back of my mind. Like I just, I, I guess I was blocking myself from making those videos because I was just worried, you know, about being perceived as this like court jester, like that's what he does. Um, But I think now that I've gotten to this point, um, you know, I, I'm comfortable when I know, and it's just, I don't know if it was just that conversation that sparked it, but it's just like, I'm here because I work my butt off and uh, I know what I'm doing and, um, who cares what people think, you know, and that's why I did it in the first place. Cause again, who cares what people think? I just wanted to be myself and be me and play guitar and make funny videos and make people laugh and make more importantly, make people smile was the most important thing for me. You know, speaking of, of playing guitar and, and making people laugh, you know, you've got the, um, we, we were both part of the initial gathering of minds to start the, you know, Hispanic, uh, high school football, Texas coaches association, whatever the letter, the letterings are, um, mm-hmm. you know, but the Hispanic coaches association for short, you know, and, and to, to go back and not only just be present, but then actually get on stage, play your guitar, but do it for that group of, of people. You know, what did that mean for you? Oh, that was, that was big because again, I just, I always touch on it, you know, you see more now um, and it excites me, but growing up, I, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me that had similar last names. They were doing these types of things. So again, I grew up in a small town, one high school, one middle school, you know, and it's just like we had one little grocery store and let me like for perspective, Zapata, Texas is small. This is how, you know, it's small one. We don't have a Walmart. Two, we don't have a Whataburger in Texas. Like, Zapata's small. And it's just, you. a lot of the perception of my hometown was you don't leave or, like, it's like you're, you stay close by. So that's just what you saw. Um, and, like I said, it was just different. And, like I said, I grew up in a pr- – predominantly Hispanic community. So to be able to kind of go out and branch off and do these kind of things and um, have the younger generation, which a lot of these kids that are getting into the high school, you know, high school coaching profession, they're very young, they're right out of college or they're in college reaching out and they're like, man, like you, I want to be like you. 
uh, I, I want to do things that you're doing and to be able to inspire people um, has been amazing. You know, again, just inspiring the, the young Hispanic community. If, if that's all I did in this whole thing, then I think to me, that's a success. Um, if I could inspire anybody, I mean, I think that's why we get in the coaching profession. We want to inspire the youth. When you, yeah, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent on that, man. You know, at the end of the day, I think the biggest, um, the biggest reason why we get into coaching is that pay it forward, right? There was always at least one coach that you know, gave you opportunity when you didn't think you deserved it, or when you didn't see it, you know, they, they created an opportunity for you, opened the door, cracked a window, whatever. Um, you know, so, so just to, to have that opportunity to pay it forward is, is huge. When, you know, when you went back to coaching school, I guess la last year was the first, was the first in-person one, wasn't it? Uh, mm -hmm. it was, so we didn't have it. They didn't even do the virtual, virtual one. They didn't, well, but they didn't even do the virtual one in 2020 did they was that the, that was the virtual year i think that was the virtual year um that was the virtual year and everybody hung out with you in the lobby virtually <laughs> no well so i think 2019 it didn't happen no 2020 it had been, been 2020 it, yeah. i don't i i think 2020 everything was like there's a chance there's a chance there's a chance and it got pushed 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 and it, but it was just, the virtual one because i was at eaton you were at eaton and then 21 no yeah 21 was the first what they ended up they had it you know mm -hmm. and you're you know you're you're coming back and you had you know just gotten i don't even remember how long you were at washington state um you know so you're coming back and now people are like Marco's back in in the state, you know. You go to you go to THSCA coaching school, wearing a different you know logo on your chest. Uh, I, I can only imagine that you saw every because as one of your most classic videos is is the the coaching the coaches at coaching school video, you know, and that because you 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 can immediately name names to people. <laughs> that you can that have appeared in that video right throughout your your career but you know i'm sure you encountered every single one of those guys and girls uh when walking around the exhibit hall like people wanted to take pictures with you they want to you know i'm sure there were coaches that you had no clue who they were but they're like oh man you know saw your videos man and like so what was that like because you know you're walking right you know you're you're a you're a rock star in your own right amongst your peers where you know two years ago you were you know marco regalado i think you were you would have been probably still at mathis at that point you know like not to say that you were a relative unknown but north of corpus christi that probably didn't know know exactly who you were and then you know two three years later everybody knows who you are Oh, it's, it's crazy. Cause that's how it was. I, so when I was at Mathis, that was the first THSCA that I'd ever been to. Um, and I'm just walking around. 
I, I knew a couple faces. I knew you. I knew the people I worked with at Santa Gertrudis, a couple of the people we played against. I knew the people at Mathis. And the guys who coached me when I was in high school. And I don't even know if they went to that THS yet. But it was just a lot of it. I, it was just weird because I tried to meet a couple people. I just didn't know a lot of people. Um, so a lot of it was just walking around and people watching, which is probably where I figured <laughs> – probably found a lot of those guys for the video so 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 for your first one then were you who which of those coaches were you the most were you the swag coach where you were just taking every free sample you could oh yeah i was taking tons (laughs) of stuff taking tons of stuff and um i probably i went to a lot of lectures i stood i was in the front you know i was you know i was a couple of those guys too took a lot of notes but like I said, that was my first one. And, you know, then going back like in 2021 for that first one after the pandemic, uh, that was just insane. Uh, it was just people coming out of, le- you know, out of the woodworks left and right. And at that point, every, I think everybody kind of had this going for them too, is you meet all these people on Twitter, your social media, you're talking on the phone, you're doing some Zooms, you know, here and there. But like, it's you almost don't recognize people in person. They're like, Hey, coach, we've been talking for the past like six months. I said, well, I'm sorry. Like, I just, like, I'm not trying to be rude, but all I've seen is like your profile picture and I, it's nice to meet you. I think at, at one point, like I stood in one spot for three hours and then I realized I had I needed to go eat something, but it was just like, I'd finish a conversation and I want to, and then somebody rolled up and like, Hey, how's it going? And, I'm going to talk to everybody. You know, that's just, I'm, I'm a talkative, very social person. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm cool with it. But it was just crazy how I didn't leave one spot. Like it wasn't me walking around finding people. I stayed in one spot and three hours passed. And I was like, Oh man, I, I'm still here. Who who do you think is more famous? You or Matt Stepp? Oh man. Stepp is the goat, you know? I would never, ever consider myself more famous than Matt Stepp. I think there's more people in the world that have post notifications on for Matt Stepp and his step bombs <laughs> than have post notifications on for Coach Rigolon. Like, I'm telling you, like, it is – that was, I think I, – I credit a lot to him. He probably won't take the credit, but, you know, I posted a couple of these, like, funny videos, and I think he was the one who retweeted it, and he had, like, 40,000 followers. So it just spread. You know, all it took was like one person with the right following to think what I did was funny to retweet it. And it just took off. So there would be no Coach Regalado if it was not for Sir Matt Stepp. Just, you know, just for comparison's sake, Matt Stepp has 49,000 followers. Uh, you, You have nothing to, you know worry about though you know 36,000 followers is it's nothing to scoff at my brother that's that's quite because quite an accomplishment and, and you know like a, and really in a short amount of time um but I still I, remember how many I had uh when the pandemic first started I had 2,500 wow and I was following 2,500 people <laughs> <laughs> how do you so that that's a, that's interesting. How do you determine like who to actually follow back? Like, obviously you got to follow kids, 
you know, from a recruiting standpoint, and you want to show love to the guys that you're currently, you know, servicing on campus. Um, obviously, with the blue check, you have a little bit more wiggle room in terms of your total number of followers uh, or how many you can follow. But like, you know, it used to be we just, well, you follow everybody that follows you as a courtesy. And now I'm sure you have to be a little bit more selective of like who who you're following just because, you know, one, your timeline is just going to be bombarded with, you know, and just finally so Rice football stuff, but you're also trying to see not just in-state, but across the country, potentially international kids. You know, so how do you kind of figure out who's actually pertinent to follow? Well, it's not even like me deciding who I need to follow and who doesn't get a follow, to be honest. When it first happened, uh, it grew so quickly that I didn't even know who was following me. It was crazy. Like, it was just, I would get all these random followers and it was too much to keep up with to follow all these people back. Like, I got a, a DM request from Nick Rolovich. Like, I wasn't even following him when he first reached out to me. I'm like, oh, God, I got to follow this guy back. Like, why wasn't I not following him? Um, so a lot of those were just, like, lost in the shuffle. And I'm sure I'm still finding people now but I'm like, wait, why am I not following this guy? We've met like in person like five times. And so I, it's just uh, to me, I, I want to follow as many coaches as I can, uh, especially coaches that are in our footprint areas. I want to try to follow players that I want to keep track of, whether we're on them right now or we'll eventually be on them. Uh, but I don't think there's a rhyme or reason why, who gets a follow. And if I'm not following you and you're salty about it, I am very sorry. It's not, it, I, it is a hundred percent non not personal. Um, I don't have some, like a, like somebody going through my followers, be like, Oh, like, you know, keeping the ratio or whatever it needs to be. Um, it's just random. And like, if I'm not gonna, if you stop me at coaching school or somewhere like that and say, Hey, you, you know, you follow me, like you pull out your phone. Yeah. I'll follow you. Like I'm, I'm not that guy who's like, Oh, I got to stay under, you know, this many followers, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I just, again, I, I, what's more important to me is how many people I can reach. And if I, you know, following you makes you be able to retweet something, I can reach more people and have a broader, uh, you know, pool of people to get to in terms, even if it's like I said, mainly for recruiting, like that's what's important to me. Uh, no doubt, man. Well, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about food. Because, you know, that, that's always a, a good topic of conversation. But, you know, you're, you're in Houston now. I grew up in Houston. I, I, you know, to me, Houston is a great hotbed of cultures coming together and, and food. And, and I know in our um, Hispanic coaches group chat, there's always that always comes up, uh, whether it's about barbecue or, you know, just ketchup, belong on tamales, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, you, you, you tried the waffle bus, um, you know, and I, I was actually in town um, around just after the 4th of July. And so I, I was able to have some waffle bus and it was about the second time I've had it. And it's, it's good stuff, man. What did you think about it? I thought it was great. Um, it's creative. I like, I like stuff like that. I like, uh, you know, restaurants to try to kind of go out of the box with things like that. Like you go to like Turkey Leg Hut, something different. I love that. I love the waffle bus. They do these like 
fruity pebble shakes or any kind of cereal you, cereal you like they're going to put it into a shake and i think it's delicious um you know I, I i ate at this place called like taco fusion and it wasn't just normal tacos like they had like a chicken tikka masala taco they had um a, a brisket barbecue type thing like um like different types of uh like cultures like into a taco so i was like oh and it's like they use like non bread as a tortilla. I was like, this is really cool. It was creative. So I think like restaurants that are out of the box are big for me. And I mean, I'm never going to shy away from food. Um, I have gone on a diet since I've moved to Houston because it, like the first like two weeks I was here, I was just going crazy. Um, I've, I've, the quote I've said, I think you could eat at a different restaurant every night for five years. And I think there's still going to be restaurants you have not seen there's just so much to eat here um but i yeah, I've, I've tried to cook a little bit more i bought an air fryer um changed my life uh, you know <laughs> uh, where, where have i been all these years but it, it's been a it's been a good experience uh but definitely excited about all the different restaurants that are here and it's not just like all the same kind of restaurants like there's like exactly like you said it's just like a big melting pot of you can have anything you want really anything you're feeling it's 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 here yeah no doubt man you know my my parents still live in in the houston area and my dad works on the um, food distribution side uh, of the restaurant business so you know he's got all these little uh spots for all kinds of cultural and and, and ethnic diversity of foods um but you know the important thing is have you found two most important things is you know you're always going to compare breakfast tacos to south texas have you found a good breakfast taco place and then have you found a good panaderia the answer to both is no not yet um and like i said my standards are pretty high because like i said (laughs) I, i went i went home last week for the 4th of July to go hang out with my parents. And I just had some like breakfast tacos from back home. And I was like, Oh man, where have you been my whole life? And I've actually got a couple recommendations from here. Um, and I can't think of them for the life of me, but I got to try them out before I you know, say or knock or rank or whatever like that. But uh, no, I have not really. And also again, because I'm trying to do a little bit better. I've been trying to cook breakfast at home. We got breakfast here at the facility. So I haven't been able to go branch out and just like find breakfast tacos or a panadilla. Like, um, I, cause I'm notorious for like the, the little, the little pigs, the marinitos, the gingerbread pigs. Like that is like my all time favorite. Like my grandma used to get them for me growing up and that's just been engraved in my mind. Like that is my favorite thing ever. And I have not gone looking for them. And it's probably like, there's a, there's a reason why I was chubby growing up is because my grandma without <laughs> unbeknownst to my mom, my mom didn't know my grandma would pick me up from school. She picked me up from school every day because my mom had after school activities, extracurricular issues and theater or did talk, you know, theater director and all that stuff like that. So my grandma would pick me up. She'd take me to uh, Los Pastelas, which is our local panaderia. And I'd pick up like 12 donuts and she'd take me back to her house. I'd go sit in front of the TV. It was four o'clock. I'd watch Dragon Ball Z and I'd kill that entire box of donuts. And my mom was like, why is it gaining weight? My grandma's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably par for the course in every Hispanic uh, 
household when it comes or, or family when it comes to food is is definitely blame the grandma I, you know I remember up until I was probably in middle school uh you know my my grandmother was still cooking for you know she had seven kids and she was still cooking for at least five you know because because two had have moved had moved out of state and with their family so there was at least five families still around that she was cooking for but you know, not everybody was there. And so if we're there, you know, we're going to eat, you know, and the, one of the first questions, if you go to visit is, are you hungry? Let me make you a plate. Like <laughs> I, I just ate, like I literally just <laughs> ate, you know, and, and every now and then she'll spring something. You're like, okay, yeah, I, I just ate, but I, I got room for that. So man, <laughs> it's, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Uh, I'm very appreciative of everything that you've done uh, for me on a lot of, levels um like i said man I'm, I'm really proud of you and everything that you've done um i'm gonna give you the floor i want you to uh you know give it give us the best pitch um you know why kids should choose rice over over other uh other schools and then anything else that you want to uh to say i gotcha well the main thing i'll talk about is uh we talked about it earlier, you know, the prestige of a degree from the universe, you know, Rice University, um, the ability to not only have that prestigious academic um, and that degree, but also be able to compete at a high level. And, you know, right now we're in the conference USA, but next year, next season, we're going to be in the American conference. So we're moving up a conference that we're, we're renovating the facility. We're doing all these changes because we're getting ready to play bigger football. So not only are you getting a great education, but you're playing a high level of football. And I think that is, I mean, that's the easiest thing to sell, especially if that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of kid we're going for. And that's the kind of education that they want. Um, you know, stay on top of your grades, make sure you're um, getting an AP courses whenever you can and uh, keep that GPA up and, you know, try to get, let's get in contact and let's, let's try to get you to rice. Um, I guess the other thing I just want to leave people with is uh, never be afraid to step out of the box, step out of the cookie cutter that what people think coaches are. Don't be afraid to be yourself and take risks. Uh, a conversation I had, I can't remember who it was, um, but I've taken a lot of risks uh, in the past two, three years. Uh, calculated risks but risks that I didn't know what was going to happen you know when I moved to Washington State it was a a $30,000 pay cut and 2,000 miles away from anybody that I call family but I mean I didn't expect to get two let alone one promotion while I was up there um nor did I expect to be in the position I'm in today and then even before then nor did I, I never expected to be at Eden so it was just, you know, when somebody picks up the phone and calls you with an opportunity, understand that there might be a risk. There may be sacrifice that goes with it, like whether it's moving or financially or something that is, you know, there is a risk and a, and a sacrifice that goes with it. But just think about it in the long run, it might be worth it. Um, never be afraid to be that person. Uh, if I could, I guess I'd leave anybody with anything, that'd be it. And, uh, Looking forward to seeing everybody at uh, at THSCA Coaching School. 
during football season, make sure you guys are coming out and supporting your Rice Owls. And if you see me, make sure you stop me, say what's up. Uh, and again, I appreciate you, Coach Noonan. I'm really, ex- I'm very honored to be able to be your 100th podcast. Uh, so again, kudos to you, props to you. Give you a round of applause. I appreciate you, man.